Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How seriously should we take angels? What is a miracle? Why have UFOs changed so much since 1947? Hello and welcome to the 827th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben and those varied questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures and dad, Paul. And today we bring you a, one of our famous open line shows with our famous guest co-host here, who we will reveal if you do not already know who he is in just a little bit. And we welcome your calls today as well. The number is 401-766-1240. That's from anywhere. Or you can email paul at behindtheparanormal.com or contact us via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So Shane, see your way. You are our famous guest co-host. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. And I'm glad to be here and survive the snow over there, the whopping four inches they called for. Well, this has been a pretty rough winter on New Hampshire in general. It's been, well, where I live, we got really slammed, but they were they were um, calling for more, so we lucked out with, you know, four inches. Fluffy, so it was nice. Oh, that was nothing for you. Not, nothing for here either. So I have a riot of informality today without my bow tie. Uh, you can always tell because I have to shovel the snow. Your mother makes me shovel snow before I come into the studio. I so. don't know who you are anymore. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll fix that next week. Anyway, let's uh, dive right in here. We have lots of interesting questions. What, the first one here we'll take is uh, Doug from Texas. So Doug writes to us. Boopy doo uh, so he writes to us, question for your uh, next open line show. Has anyone ever reported seeing the ghost, quote-unquote, of a caveman? Uh, I'm not talking about Bigfoot. I'm talking about an apparition of a Neanderthal-type hum- or hominid. And uh, the, the oldest ghosts I've ever heard of were Roman soldiers. Well, uh, I think I probably can answer a... Yes to that. In 1989, I, and, and this is in uh, Faces, I should say Footsteps in the Attic, uh, my 2002 book, I was in England chasing the uh, interestingly named Beast of Exmoor. Uh, Exmoor being a national park in the southwestern part of the country uh, in the county of Devon, and uh, where there are two major national parks, uh, Dartmoor National Park, where uh, Hound of the Baskervilles by Arthur Conan Doyle was said, a Sherlock Holmes story. It's rather interesting. Uh, and then, of course, Exmoor is in the northern part of the county. So I was down in the southern part on on Dartmoor, which is very um, uh, much to my taste. I had most of uh, a lot of our ancestors came from the air, and it was you know, I felt like it was kind of like coming home. But there was a place called Wistman's Wood. It's a rather it's only a couple of acres, and it's a very odd. Uh, wood, woodland with stunted oak trees that are only about 12 or tops 15 feet high. And uh, there's a sign, don't go in here, because naturally I went in. And uh, <clears throat> there was uh, there's a huge quartz vein, which uh, you New Age types will recognize as something interesting as far as um, energies are concerned, running right through the middle of the wood. And it was just, it was a lovely uh, experience, very powerful. And that supposedly was a place where the Druids, whom the Romans didn't like, because um, they practiced human sacrifice, although uh, my understanding is that human sacrifice was practiced on, on uh, uh, people who committed capital crimes. Uh, but they, they would do it rather formally. 
uh, when the executions would occur. But the Romans didn't like even that, so they uh, didn't like the Druids and chased them all over the place. And supposedly the last Druids in England hid in this Wistman's Wood. Uh, and the, the term Wistman uh, is from, nobody's really sure what the, the, ter- the name is from, but it's, it's uh, having to do with wished hounds, which is uh, uh, sort of an old English or middle English term for you know, spooky uh, hounds that, that are seen with the, with the great hunt uh, and this sort of thing. There were all these things from European folklore. Uh, so it even has a sort of a magical name. So I went in there and uh, <clears throat> I was, um, I happened to look to my left a little bit uphill and there was a figure, or, or actually I should say half a figure, the top half of a figure in, in fur, fur clothing and a fur cap. Uh, very ancient looking, but I couldn't see anything from the waist down. It turned and looked, I, I, how, how far, maybe 50 feet, it wasn't far at all, turned and looked through me. That's the best way I can see. It's like, it's like it reminds me of the case in Maine where, where the, the figure's coming down the, the, down the stairs and can't quite see the people. Oh, yeah. And, and this has turned out to be someone who was still alive and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, and um, I, it, it lasted for a few seconds. I did not have a camera with me, like an idiot. And I guess I was supposed to, I was supposed to be, you know, the camera was in the car. And um, anyway, it uh, that, that was unfortunate. But I did see this, and it lasted a while, uh, at least twenty-five to thirty seconds, which is rather long. And then it just turned, and I, I you know. Who or what could this be? I, it wasn't Neanderthal, but uh, it very well may have been uh, a time slip sort of thing with the Druids involved. Uh, the weather being cold there, lots of the year that would have been in furs. I mean, so I, I just that that might be something like that. Uh, as far as what I've heard, I have heard of ghosts of Neanderthals, things like this in France. Um, but again, I didn't witness it myself. Uh, any uh, so, uh, Shane, Ben, what? Say so you were. Uh, I have not, but it's a great question, and I don't, I don't doubt that people experience it, obviously. But um, I, I think I've encountered things in in the wilderness and out and about that I, I don't know what it is for sure. But there's been strange behaviors, um, you know, unlike uh, like a modern human being, you know, those type different weird characteristics and vocalizations that I don't know what they are, mm-hmm. and people can attribute them to you know bigfoots or other creatures you know but i i don't know for sure and i've um i've seen trees and branches being bent and moved with no no body there no nothing that i could see with my own eyes anyways mm. so um but who who knows maybe i have encountered one i just don't yeah. i don't just don't know it well as, as we're always saying you know, we put labels on things that we can understand and uh you know the the uh, prehistoric man if you want to say uh, Neanderthal or other, Cro-Magnon or, or otherwise, uh, may, maybe it's very common, but people just don't identify it as that. Uh, they might not see anything, you know. Right. And, and if our theories are correct, we're dealing more with time instead of with death. And time slips. Uh, and, and people sometimes say, well, how do you... Okay, people, uh, if your theory is right, that it's really uh, the uh, juxtaposition of different times or intersect points, things of this kind of parallel worlds where it would be to us uh, ancient times or, or even yesterday, uh, how come we don't see people from the future? Well, uh, who says we don't see people from the future? 
You know, mm-hmm. uh, there, there I have a number of examples of that, I believe, and the, the whole UFO thing, especially the nuts and bolts ones. Uh, there, there have been a number of theories that these are people from the future. So, I mean, I just if you can see people from the future or even people who are dead here and not elsewhere or else when, then you can certainly see ancient man. So, and the Roman thing, that happens a lot in England, too. Uh, whole armies marching by, which to me is more like, more about time than it is about ghosts, especially if they're wearing clothes and all this stuff. It seems obvious to me. Yes, yes. So, so that's a very good question, Doug. Thank you very much. But um, yeah, I think I, I may have uh, seen something like that in, in uh, England in 1989. Hmm. Okay. All right, let's take one from Facebook. Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry, I gave you copy here, Shane, and uh, this is from Charlie, the first one, in Willow Creek, Oregon. Okie dokie. Uh, Charlie? Charlie? You know, uh, Charlie, send, us, yeah. send us a phonetic spelling. Um, <laughs> writes to us, I am curious to know if, in all your studies and experiences with the mysterious and the odd and unknowable, um, have you ever encountered an angel? Uh, I guess that's the, the first... First portion of the question. Would you like me to continue? Okay. Well, maybe one at a time is good. Okay. All right. Um, so that's a we personally ever. Okay. Shane, I don't know about you. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think I've encountered on many occasions, actually um, numerous occasions, what a lot of people would just um, you know call an angel, um, but I've in, in different. I've had several. Um, Death, uh, near-death experiences and, and also uh, instances where I was almost badly injured, but then also the times where I was, um, you know, whether I was ill, I had some allergic reactions to at one point, um, where I encountered, um, you know, apparitions of people that didn't look normal. Like it, it looked like, I described this before, um, like something or somebody trying way too hard to look like a human, but it just seemed out of place. Even there they're um like no, i'm not saying they were lit up like like a light bulb but it's like if um i know i've described this on the show before it's like if you took a photo of somebody standing out in in the daylight cut them out of that photo and place them into a in, into a dim room so they weren't like illuminated but they were brighter than they were supposed to be it was out of place to me and um but in these circumstances um they've saved me um and they've also guided me and um so i i definitely i definitely have um encountered what i think some people would call an angel i don't know that for sure you know how we work we don't put labels on things until we're absolutely certain of what it was but it was a, um all these were positive experiences and um and on several occasions saved my life yeah well, of course, the question arises: What is? What do you mean by what angel? Is, right. And uh, I mean the ancient Greek uh, or a- any Greek w- would be uh, angelos, which means messenger, and uh, archangel would just be chief messenger. Okay. And uh, these are, but these are known th- throughout pretty much every culture, most religions, certainly uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, an interesting. There, there's a in, in the Quran. There's a chapter called the Suryam Miriam, which is actually pretty much about the what what we also call the Annunciation or the Virgin Mary. Okay, and uh, it, it, it those who read it who are not Muslim sometimes get upset about it if they're 
Christian because the uh, when you trans and I don't speak Arabic, but I mean in the English translations it says uh, that a a, a very um, a well-built man, handsome and well-built, presented himself to Mary and became the father of Jesus, and this was an angel, okay? So here's a very physical, uh, muscular angel, okay? Um, I, I don't know, yeah, Jabril, which is the, the Arabic word for Gabriel, okay? So it was the same, pretty much the same story. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the Quran says more about the Virgin Mary than the Bible does, which I always found interesting. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless... Um, what are we talking about here? And this is where the question, somebody else was wondering about miracles. And a miracle, which often, of which an angel is often the messenger, uh, comes from uh, some ancient Indo-European roots that means to smile. So presumably, an angel brings us messages that are supposed to make us happy. Although I know, some of the messages aren't necessarily uh, <laughs> happy. Uh, there, there were TV commercials lately for... Uh, uh, Bible bedtime stories. Well, I don't know who you're going to read them to because most most of the stories in the Bible, you know, we wouldn't sleep. You know, <laughs> although I, I guess sort of the parables or something in the Gospels, I suppose. But <clears throat> be that as it may, um, this is the concept of angel that has pretty much come down just about everywhere today. Uh, I myself had uh, an experience that I really can't describe as anything else, um, although I didn't see any figure. Uh, it was uh, I was in the St. Elias Mountains in the Yukon in uh, 1979. Uh, that's before I moved to Rhode Island, and uh, there was an avalanche. <clears throat> I was buried under eight feet of snow. My uh, comrades were frantic, trying to dig me out. All of a sudden, uh, you know, and, and it was like it was a really strange experience. This has happened to me several times in uh, danger situations. It's like my body was in a panic, but somehow my mind. I was not, you know, I don't know why, but that's just how it was. All of a sudden, I felt warmth in my right hand, and the he- I couldn't breathe. It was heavy, and, and something pulled me up out of that snowbank, and my head pops up, and all the guys are, you know, staring, and they dug me out, and I wasn't so much as scratched, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously, that would be an, an angelic kind of life-saving sort of experience, uh, so I guess uh, I would chalk that up, but but as far as what it was, whether it was another version of myself in a in a more aware world in the multiverse, uh, can we be our own angels? Sure. But growing up in um, in Catholic school, we were always taught as children we had our, we had guardian angels. And now I, you know, getting into the paranormal, you hear people talking about their spirit guides and guardians. I mean, really, what's the difference? Except that I think a lot of them can be fake. You know, feed you false information or push buttons and be parasitical. So it's 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 a really complicated question, but yeah, I think I've had at least one angel experience, probably two. I'll tell one of my, um, you know, there's been the ones where I've I've seen them and they've been there and talking. But one one, um, I don't normally talk about them, but here's one I'll share since you you shared that one. Um, this one I I mostly heard, but I felt the presence that was there, which was a familiar feeling to me, but. Somewhere around the age of 28, 29, when I was that age, I had, I was, in my 20s, I, I had allergic reactions and we never figure out really what it was. Um, I wasn't changing diet, I wasn't exposed to anything different, but I was having these horrific allergic reactions. And, um, and so one time my, my mother actually stopped in to visit and she looked at me and she's like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? And I said, get me to the emergency room right now. So I, I get to the emergency room. I'm standing in front of the the clerk, 
who's looking down at her paper and I, I said, I need to be seen. And then she looked up at me and, and her mouth dropped and I, cause I was covered in hives too and, and I just looked horrible. And I, and I passed out. And I woke up and I had doctors and nurses all over me and they were calling in EMTs that had dropped off somebody else and the whole room was freaking out. Like, um, my blood pressure was like through the roof. It was like something like, you know, 240 over. What? Yeah. And then it would wow. pl- plummet and then it would come back up again. And they say, we don't know how you didn't stroke or have a heart attack or, or whatever. But, um, so stay with us, Shane, stay with us. And I, and I would go out and then I'd come back and stay with us. And there's all these people. I go out and then I kind of come to, um, in between. I can hear everything that's going on, but I can't really respond too well. And, and I hear a voice, a real calm voice in my, in my ear, my right ear said, tell them to give you, it was like, I, I'm pretty sure it was like 750 milligrams or it was 750 measurements of, of prednisone. And they told me how many cc's or whatever of adrenaline that I needed. And one other thing that I can't remember because I just blurted out the other two, but there was something else. And so I, I got up enough energy to spit those words out. And then they're like, what, what, you know, Shane, Shane, stay with us. And I blurted it out again and I, I pass out. I wake up and within a half hour, I felt like I could run a marathon. I hmm. felt amazing. And, um, and I said, what happened? You know, why, you know, cause it was, it was bad. They really thought I wasn't going to make it. And I said, you know, what, what happened? They said, we did what you told us to do. And so the, uh, the next one I had, which was the last one I ever had, I just walked in and said, I need this, this and that, or I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. I said, I said, seriously, look in the file. And so they had to dig for the file. Well, very they, glad you didn't die. They found it. And, yeah. um, but since then I, I haven't had it happen, uh, to me. So. Well, that's a, <clears throat> thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Now, Ben, you had an interesting, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but you were driving, uh, what we called it the Bumblebee. It was a little, uh, yellow car with a, oh, the death top. trap. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, before we, before I jump into that, there is actually more to Charlie's question. Oh, here. right, right, right. Okay. There's, well, it's, it's not, it's mostly, she's sharing her experiences with us, and that's important. Mm, yeah. So let's, Definitely. so let's, let's hop into that real quick. Um, and Charlie continues by saying, I have not, that I'm aware of, had an experience with angels, uh, but my mother attended a Christian women's dinner, and an angel lady sat, uh, next sat across from her at the table, and I asked my mom, "How did you know she was an angel?" And she replied that she just couldn't mistake an experience like that. And I do believe her. My hairdresser and her husband had a wreck in their car, and uh, she said that a young couple showed up to help them and then disappeared. Uh, she was sure that they were angels. And the third story: my neighbor was plowing uh, one of her fields uh, on a spring day. And uh, she didn't know she had fallen asleep until she heard a voice call her name and awaken her, just in time to make a turn so that she wouldn't run into a ditch and have had a terrible tractor accident. So I was just wondering if you, or you, Ben, or Shane, have ever had any experiences with angelic beings. Yeah, so we kind of answered that, but just uh, to the idea of people showing up, I hear stories all the time about somebody, you know, breaking down in their car... Um, and there was even one uh, where it was a, a, a rather rare model of some car, I don't know what. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody shows up with exactly the right part at exactly the right time, and they have no idea who they are. And then they like fix the car and leave it and never seen again. Yeah, and parts that are so rare that why would you have this? What, you yeah, know? bizarre synchronicity. Yeah, I just happen to have that. You know, that particular uh, whatever. I, heard, heard I don't know anything too. about cars, but. I mean, I think that is uh, not only very cool, 
um, it certainly fills the bill of something that's, I suppose, semi-angelic in the sense. It, it just goes to show we're not alone. Right. Uh, and I think that is more, a more of a concrete reality than most of us realize when no. it comes to non-locality and stuff. You know, I like to bounce off that too. Is I've heard many uh, stories where, uh, you know, at least uh, quite a few stories about people because she mentioned in that church, right? Um, or or Christian women's dinner. Okay, so I've heard I've heard a a few stories, and then I've heard other stories of people encountering um, what they um, described as what they thought were alien instead of like angelic. Exactly. But there was a few stories I can think of where these people were in church because they were going through something or whatever and these, these, this couple, um, they all described the same one. It it almost sounded like the same person or the same couple almost, but they were uh, blonde, beautiful blue eyes, taller than the average person, very well dressed, like unusual dress, but very well, you know, great attire. And um, they sat behind this person, and um, and they're thinking. And all of a sudden, they hear thoughts in their head that weren't their own, and they they look back, and these people are smirking at them. They know it's them communicating with them, but they these people um, were you know like, like we always talk about perception and um, our experiences, but they they really kind of thought that these people were alien as opposed to angels but they were more into the yeah that type of subject anyway well there are <clears throat> the so-called nordic yes. type aliens uh who look like that <clears throat> but uh, when you talk to someone from india or the middle east they don't have that kind of experience you know there's the uh mm-hmm. the beings that tend to or the jinn or whatever you want to call them tend to uh look more like the local people would because then they you know that would i suppose be expected mm-hmm. so um, I don't know. It's just there's something out there. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, and we always say whatever the explanation is for this that you know. And we're always talking about parasites and that you know they prey on us and they you know delete you know they take our energy and they eat it and all uh, that. There there's um, just as much if not more um, positive uh, help out there than, than there is negative. So mm. well, yeah. the interesting thing is the manifestation of of faith, right? Like in the in the West, miracles are are very they're very different. They're very very human, very physical. They're very angels often take the form of you know a very a very lovely like human being, right? Like mm. sort of an ideal ideal human, and it's 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 interesting. Like you show people pictures of of quote unquote angels with no context and say oh it's an angel or like a statue or something and they'll, they'll know what it is it's it's interesting how archetypes really kind of play a huge role in how people sort of i don't want to say manifest it's not the right word how they see phenomena and if you approach someone let's say i don't know um someone from i'm trying to i'm trying to think of a good example Let's let's say you approach someone in like you know, twelfth century like Ireland, and you have a picture of an angel with wings and whatnot. They'll probably look at it. They might say angel. They might say fairy. Who knows? There's there's a really interesting parallel between how people sort of display their faith and what they believe in and the phenomena they experience, and mm-hmm. it often really is is dictated in how it sort of appears and manifests. For example, in 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 the Eastern Christian Church, there's really not much mentioned to, the, to my my knowledge of angels sort of appearing to people. There's some mention, but it's really not like a huge deal. Mm. Whereas physical apparitions are a really big deal 
in in the West in every sense. Yeah. So the physical apparitions do happen, but it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. Nor the Catholic is tradition. It is a big deal. Yeah, and yeah. you can probably say in in some in some Protestant ones too. Sure, sure. That 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 that's a that you know it's it's a part of their faith manifested, and it's interesting how. You know, they say faith moves, moves mountains, which, you know, is in part true. Where if some people believe something so hard, it tends to become real. I mean, look at tulpas, right? Yeah. You know, if you believe something exists, you know, if, then what's, what's to say that, you know, if you believe so hard that something like an angel exists, that it doesn't? And it's, it's interesting that we're able to kind of, as, as a species, Maybe not have so much power over it, but how it sort of appears before us, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and how we view it tends to really sort of be a reflection of how we view the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're going to take our bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno uh, on WON 1240 AM and FM, and uh, 1240 AM and 99.5 FM with our great uh, special co-host today, uh, Shane Searway, for one of our open line shows. And we'll be right back, so stick with us. Hi, I'm Greg Bell, the host of Win Radio Was. I'm Mortimer. Bill. Is that you under that blindfold? Bill. With this thing on, I can't see who I am. No, I imagine not. <laughs> can't you see anything at all under that blindfold? On a clear day, I can see the blindfold. You can. Yeah. Win Radio Was. Shows from the past for today's imaginations. Win Radio Was airs Monday through Friday right here on ON 1240 Radio at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Hi, Moose Man here. The Groove Line is aired every Thursday live between 1 and 2 p.m. and replayed at 6 to 7 p.m. All your favorites, a variety of rock, and the Beatles every single week. That's the Groove Line right here on ON. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's a little bit snowy uh, Blackstone River Valley today and our, fa- our famous guest co-host Shane Searway. Uh, came all the way down from New Hampshire to be with us, as he always does on these uh, these great shows. And we're answering a lot of uh, interesting questions today from people, and uh, the, the the topic has run to angels. Shall we shall we hop into the next question? Why don't we do that? Who's that from, Ben? So that is from Mike in Blackstone, Massachusetts, oh, okay. right, right, right here in our listening area. And he writes to us, I'm a long-time listener, and I remember your shows uh, with Ted Phillips, where he was talking about the structure of UFOs changing... Uh, over the years. So you have talked about this as well. Uh, I find that really interesting. And I saw the video on of your of your show from last year where you showed the UFO that you got on video in Pennsylvania. Are UFOs really changing since the Roswell crash of 1947? And what kind of changes are these? And why are they taking place? Interesting question. Well, essentially, now Ted Phillips is a fellow from Missouri, a friend of ours who... Uh, has done a lot of research out there, and he has probably the biggest database in the world of physical evidence of UFO landings, you know, here and hither and yon. And he has said, and we we asked him very similar questions to that when he's been on the show, and he said, you know, it's it's funny, uh, from 1947, uh, particularly with, with supposedly a crashed UFO being found, we're dealing with sort of nuts and bolts craft, as bizarre as they may be. Uh, for example, my understanding of the actual finding of whatever they found, so there, there were no moving parts, there didn't seem to be any engine, and the 
material that felt more like skin than metal. That sort of these are people who supposedly were there. So there's that. Uh, however, uh, and our good friend, the late Stanton Friedman, uh, very uh, friend of the show and uh, fellow who wrote the forward for our 2016 book, was uh, well known in the field, and he was very much a nuts and bolts kind of fellow. He would uh, he was open to the idea of the multiverse and all uh, all sorts of other things, but he was pretty much uh, nuts and bolts. Uh, these you know probably craft from other planets. Uh, machinery that's way beyond our own science, et cetera, et cetera. And most people believe that. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly, perfectly plausible. So Ted said that since the nuts and bolts days, UFOs have changed. And he was particularly talking about uh, those in, in Marley Woods, which is in Missouri, but it was, it's a secret location, much like our Pennsylvania location. Uh, might not stay secret for long, but uh, the idea is that, that they've become uh, less mechanical and more like balls of light, or light balls, as, as he would say. Uh, he feels these are probes, and he said perhaps that the technology of the aliens or whatever's doing this or building these things or whatever they are may, be, may have uh, changed uh, or, up, or updated since 1947. I mean, the other possibilities are you've got other kinds of civilizations coming in from every which where, not necessarily from outer space, maybe from other parallel worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may be uh, future um, people from the future, as has been suggested in some of the Rendlesham Forest by some of the Rendlesham Forest uh, case witnesses from 1980. So anything's pretty much possible here. So what do, what do you fellas say? I don't know. I, I still think that people are still seeing like the old school cigar shaped UFOs. And as far as the lights too, there's documentation and, um, that goes way back in the literature of, of, you know, travelers of, of the oceans and stuff seeing balls of light and different lights. It just, they didn't, they didn't attribute or, or direct it towards UFOs back then. Um, uh, but now that we, we're doing more research towards it, we're, we're, we're recognizing trends. So these balls of light seem to be showing up. You know, in UFO, areas of UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings, and so maybe they didn't make those connections back then, so it wasn't really, you know, really talked about as much. But, but I, I still, um, you know, hearing the, the same reports, but there's, there's obviously a lot of newer ones, um, being like this triangle one that everyone's starting to see more mm. and more. And what, what about these drones? Anyone, any updates on those? Not to get sidetracked too much, but the, all these drones that are showing up over in the Midwest or, or wherever. Uh, if they're drones. Yeah, if they're drones, but it's crazy because no well, one seems to know what they are or why they're there. You, you just hit on a very important point there, Shane, because the interpretation of what these lights in the sky are depend on the time, you know, the, the, the culture and the, the time period in which people see them. The Romans reported shields in the sky, or so did the Egyptians. Uh, when we have triangular UFOs today, uh, which could very easily be experimental aircraft, um, people think it's, you know, that, that or the nuts and bolts that are now, uh, there's a, a, almost a more spiritual or ethereal approach to the subject, so you see light balls. So, but the, I don't know. It's, uh, but that, that's very interesting. Well, I mean, we still see the nuts and bol- boltsy kind of crap. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they're still yeah. around. It's yeah. not like they've disappeared. That's true. It's, yeah. it's as if, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not so much that it's changing, but more and more stuff is happening. Yeah. I would say. I think that with, with sort of the dawn of other points of view, other than you know, it's a nuts and bolts craft. 
you know, particularly with the 60s and 70s with the sort of new agey movement kind of coming to the foreground that now people are viewing these rather than, oh, it's Martians coming here to conquer the earth, more as sort of a humanitarian effort in a way. And perhaps the change in view of these has changed the craft. Or maybe we're just noticing them for the first time, right? Mm. Well, yeah. And maybe it's it's stuff that's always been happening, but we are just happen to be noticing it more. And we all have cell phones with cameras. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, and the internet and people, the word gets around more. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we in the palm of our hand, we literally can access all the information ever, whether it's true <laughs> or not. But yes, that's true. And it's yeah. you know, it's it's like Nikola Tesla's like dream come to life, mm. and being able to you know access all information at all times. I mean, you know, you know, there's there's so many more reports now. Maybe this stuff has always been happening, but we just haven't been paying attention to it. Well, perhaps not. Yeah, we are really busy. Well, if uh, either of you fellows has more on that, uh, that's good. We we have a um, an addendum from our friend Doug in Texas, who, who we whose question we dealt with a little bit earlier, and he mentions um, Saint Vladimir's website. That's Saint Vladimir's seminary. Uh, that's a seminary that threw me out <laughs> in 1977. Irony. A website cautions against saying the Jesus prayer, but maybe you can explain the Jesus prayer for the sole purpose of seeing an apparition. Uh, this got me wondering if some religious apparitions could be tulpas or perhaps even parasites. Well, I mean, even in Thoughts. like, if that's actually a really interesting point because there's uh, in in the in the Orthodox Christian tradition there is a big book or volume of books known as the Philokalia, which in Greek means uh, love of the beautiful, and it's essentially a guide for monastics and and sort of how to live the monastic life. And like monks and nuns. Monks and nuns, basically. Yeah. And it's most of it is very practical stuff, uh, like how to weave baskets and things like that. But there's some esoteric things in there. And lay people can read it, but typically if you do read it, you should have somebody to guide you to reading it because you can misinterpret things and it can be horrible. So that being said, the Jesus Prayer is basically... Um, it's... it's uh, for for those in the in the sort of new agey world, it is the equivalent of a mantra. Um, and for those who are in the Christiany world, uh, in the Western tradition, you would probably be very familiar with the Rosary. So the idea of the Jesus Prayer is you couple your breathing with saying a very simple prayer, where you inhale and say, uh, "Lord Jesus Christ," uh, and then exhale, "Have mercy on me," and you keep doing that over and over. Um, and the goal is to sort of attain um, a, a state of, of prayer, which is um, unceasing prayer, which St. Paul outlines in his epistles. And the goal is to, you know, basically do it so much that with every breath it turns into a prayer without you trying to do it. And that's essentially the goal. In the Philokalia, um, one of the monks that sort of writes in it writes that... Um, while doing unceasing prayer, a lot of unexpected things can happen. And when they say beware of of um, um, any any apparitions, the 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 thought is is I, I can immediately see where Doug is going here, where he's like, oh well, you know, you're invoking something, I believe. And it's like, okay, well, you're you're trying to find an apparition. No, 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 no. The 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 idea is that if you see 
quote-unquote phantoms, as St. Silouan says, you're doing something wrong. And if you're doing the Jesus prayer and you see phantoms and apparitions, do not trust them because they are there to trick you. And it's, it is, if you do see apparitions, that is, you know, just ignore it, right? In one ear, out the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that he says is thoughts are like clouds. You know, they're there, but you can ignore them. You know, watch them pass by. Don't engage because it can be dangerous. So the practical thing there is, you know, if you're setting out on this journey of, um, you know, attaining unceasing prayer, you have to watch out for the obstacles. And those obstacles can be, you know, apparitions appearing and trying to trick you. And, or it could be, you know, thoughts, you know, trying to break you of, of your, of your sort of, you know, for lack of better words, um, practice. And it's, it's, it's keeping focused and keeping things simple. And if you set out to achieve, you know, something in that realm, you're not going to do it. And if you do see apparitions, that's no good. I never heard it put so well at St. Vladimir's, unless they said it after they threw me out. So, <laughs> anyway, but uh, no, thank you, Ben. Outstanding explanation. And, uh, yeah, so, and, and I, you might extend that to any sort of uh, spiritual effort uh, should be aimed at the uplifting of the, the mind, the soul, and the body rather than trying to see apparitions. Right. Well, the goal is to to sort of, they, they call it the Jesus prayer, but it's also referred to as the prayer of the heart. Yes. Because you are merging, you know, um, your entire being into this sort of one movement. Mm. And that is the goal, to achieve, to to move towards a completion of, okay. of being a human. Great. Doug, thank you for the extra question. I wanted to get to this before the show ended, certainly. Now, uh, anyone who listens to the show regularly uh, probably feels as as though they personally know Peter Shelley. Now, Peter is from uh, is a very, very uh, faithful listener from Bogota, Colombia, and he uh, sends in some very, very good questions every almost every show, whether it be open lines or to any particular guest. Well, uh, I got an email from Peter, and he said... Um, uh, if you want, maybe you can read it, Ben, uh, there. Sure. So, Peter writes to us, uh, Paul, Ben, and Shane. Hi. Or Paul, yeah, Paul, Ben, and Shane. I got the word order there correctly. Uh, I just started my own show called Shadowy Spectrums on YouTube, and what advice could you give me? Okay, that's a very simple <laughs> question, but uh, we certainly wanted to give uh, Peter, such a faithful listener, a shout-out on the occasion of his own show. Now, I went to that on YouTube, and uh, the, the first show was up, and he uh, inter- he uh, interviews uh, Klaus Svan, who is a, a Scandinavian um, researcher, and it's it's I I was I thought it was really good. And the advice we can go around just give our friend Peter some advice. I mean, firstly, I I would say uh, from what I heard, you're already doing this, but keep it keep on the subject, pay attention to the guest. Now you don't have very now you you are hosting by yourself, Peter, uh, and we, you know we have two or three co-hosts, sometimes more, uh, but we still try to keep it on the subject. You know, we you know the occasional uh, levity is permitted. You know, occasional uh, a joke, a quick quick joke, but you know, stay on the subject, especially with limited time. So I'd say uh, keep it organized, keep it scripted, get your questions down in advance. Uh, at the same time, be open enough to let the discussion with the guests take you where it takes you. That's what I would say. 
Yeah, I would say the same thing. We already know he has good questions because he writes in great questions every week. But um, I would say keep keep doing that. Um, And also, one thing that I don't like that a lot of hosts do is they hijack the interview. So if they if they they ask a question in in that's an interest of their own because they had an experience, they'll let the guests start to answer, but then they jump in with their experience. Yeah, I'm guilty of that more than once. Well, yeah. no, yeah, but you let them describe their experience. A lot of people just cut them off and hijack the interview, and, mm. and I think that's a big turnoff. Um, but also uh, to, to stay humble. You know, we're, we're, we're no better, even if we're radio hosts or we're on a stage lecturing to, you know, hundreds of people or whatever. We're, we're not better than them. We're all human beings. So, you know, stay, you know, keep that in mind and stay humble. In, in your approach, and, and um, we already know you have great, great, great questions. So, um, good luck, man. I'm going to take a listen. Yeah, you, you can always learn from your guests, Ben. Uh, yeah, I, um, I mean, I, I always sort of jocularly referred to to Peter as sort of our unofficial co-host. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of him for you know kind of striking out on his own because he he asks really good questions. Yeah. And you know, every every question is usually very simple, but it has a lot of layers to it, mm-hmm. and you can tell that there's a level of insightfulness that you know is is necessary for being able to you know hop hop into your own sort of podcast. You know, if you have a thirst for sort of knowledge, especially something that's very unquenchable as the unknown, then you know a good a good way to do that is to to hop on with you know guests and and or peers and just kind of. Take a couple questions and hash it out, and it's it's interesting to kind to watch, and I am excited to see where he goes with it. And I think you know um, we're definitely not, you know, we I feel I feel weird giving advice about it because it's like you know there's definitely plenty of other other um, you know sort of people prolific figures out there that are probably much more experienced than we are. Uh, you excluded Dad because you had your own journalistic career. I just happened to go to college for something in this realm. But, um, you know, in, in sort of the grand scheme of things, you know, there's no there's no formula to it. It's just kind of, you know, how you feel comfortable conducting your podcast. And if you feel as if our, our format and our model works, you know, which we share with, you know, Coast to Coast and all sorts of other other great, you know, um, colleagues out there, which is just kind of keeping it focused. Because I personally get very annoyed if I'm listening to a podcast or something, and, you know, they spend the first 20 minutes kind of just, you know... Shooting the breeze about the weather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, that's kind of fun sometimes. It's like, you know, for the first, like, few seconds, you know, you just give it, like, 30 seconds, like, oh, yeah, you know, here in the snowy Blackstone River Valley. But, like, you know, then you just hop back into the meat of things because you know people people are listening to you because you know you're asking questions to people that they've always wanted to ask questions to yeah and you know it's they want to they want to hear from the guests and they want to they want to hear questions answered and they want to hear hear information experiences and take it yeah sounds good okay well there you go peter (laughs) hopefully that'll help all right uh now there is um uh, a question from uh, maybe we could skip to because mm-hmm. it came in last month and it was in German. Oh yes. And, <coughs> so I uh, kind of translate. Is that uh, yeah? It's on yes. second uh, page. Rosalind. Uh, Rosalind. Uh, yes. Uh, from Weinhausen, Germany. Weinhausen, right? Yes. Uh, writes to us. Happy New Year. I'm a very avid listener, and I hope you will find time to answer a question. 
there have been in angel experiences in my family, so do you think these could be alien experiences? Uh, there are many kinds of UFOs, you have pointed out. Uh, can there be many kinds of aliens, and can they be at war, or at least competing? And uh, where do we place in all of this? Where is our sort of place in this, I believe? Well, well a lot of questions, a lot of layers, uh, some of which we've dealt with already. You can't get rid of angels today, I guess. Here. So, uh, not that you'd want to. <laughs> so, um, well, as I said, we have angels, aliens. I mean, angels in, in the broad, broad sense of the term, and certainly aliens in the broad sense, might be one and the same. Uh, the... Parasites I dealt with, I'm always citing this Bridgeport case, or we've all dealt with in different situations, have a very alien feel to them, and uh, they could be aliens too. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, again, our terms, uh, I guess, have to be somewhat fluid. So, uh, I don't know, what do you fellas think about Rosalind's uh, question? Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll jump on this uh, first. So, that is very, that is interesting, right? I mean, I mean, as as I kind of previously stated, it's kind of how how you 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 view the experience itself is how it's kind of dictated. It might be aliens. I mean, who? But I mean, you know, I guess it's it's taking it a step further and kind of what is the definition of alien, right? It would be something that is other, something that is extra, something that is outside of our realm of understanding. Which you know, if you if you look at it, pretty much any sort of paranormal phenomena could be considered alien. "Quote unquote." Yeah. So if we're referring to extraterrestrials, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, but I also wouldn't rule out, um, you know, creatures that exist in the multiverse that are, you know, benevolent that would be be open to sort of giving people a helping hand, or perhaps maybe they could be, you know, messengers from God. And you know, it kind of depends on your theology, your sort of faith, and how the experience is viewed. It might be aliens, you know, in the in the the rawest, most broad definition, and you know, kind of moving over to the idea of aliens being at war is something that's been postulated by many in, in the ufology community. Well, not a, a, I won't say many. I'll say a portion in in the ufology community that there's sort of a, a, a war being waged between a couple of different civilizations, whether it's for resources from Earth. Or you know what have you? I think it it's it's um, like a unseen wars and things like that. Things that are going on no, in our own wars of the gods, as they yeah, used to be called. Yeah, which I mean, you know, isn't isn't you know new to sort of humanity and our history. And I guess you know, as we for what little we know, it's it's kind of hard to guess at without. A sounding insane, B actually knowing <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah. So I, I, I'm just going to chalk it up to I, I don't know. Mm. It's possible. Okay. Who knows? Yeah. So my Exeter UFO Festival mm-hmm. lecture I did like not last year, but the year before that, um, I touched on this, and um, which I never do, and so it was a rare thing that I talked about this publicly. So. Um, from a young age, I, I started seeing, you know, your typical gray-like aliens in, in my bedroom. And then, you know, I'm, I'm going to go fast through this, but um, at the age of 10, I got really sick. No one, you know, really knew what was wrong. Um, I ended up having this visitation from this guy that I described earlier in the show. Um, he was the same way that looked like, some, like something trying too hard to look like a human being. It just didn't look right or normal. But he, that 
thing or that person, that entity, whatever that was, that was trying way too hard to look like a human, was the one responsible for giving me information on how to deal with these parasitic entities. In you know, didn't really understand all of it at the time because I was only ten and a half. But you know, years later, when I started in my early teenage years to really kind of like dig into this and try to understand it, did I start connecting the dots and well, that's what he meant. That's what he meant. And and it works. It was stuff that you don't hear about, you know, um, on how to deal with these, you know, your typical tactics that you see from priests or, you know, you see on TV and all this other stuff. It's far different the way I do it. And um, I I get to the root cause. And this was information that was given to me by this entity. Um, And so, yes, and some people might have thought that that entity that was there might have been alien. All I know, you know, some people might have thought it was an angel. I don't know. I just know it wasn't. Um, it, it just it was it was different. It was like I said. Um, it just it, there was something really different about about it. But the information was accurate. So, so to answer the the last part of the question is, I don't know about. I think there are wars that we know throughout history that may have been created by you know these things. But one thing I do know for sure, and I, I would I would bet anything on it. They are aware of each other because they've worked me. Well, one has worked me against the other since the time I was ten, and um, and I continue to do that work. But um, I, I definitely know there's two different types of entities that are aware of one another mm-hmm. for sure. And one's not so good, and the other one yeah. is a little bit better. So, well, I agree. I mean, these wars of the gods, as they're called, were <clears throat> pretty much uh, present in every culture throughout history, and they're. Uh, it, it's probably the, mo- the most open secret of human prehistory was this because it's in every bit of folklore, which, of course, is folklore is the, the memory of the human race. Mm-hmm. And so what the meaning was, what civilizations they were, and there, are, there do seem to be all sorts of different kinds of civilizations, uh, whether from other planets or from other parallel worlds or both, uh, seem to be um, uh, present in the, the, uh, the memory of the human race. So there you go. Uh, I guess that's about all we can say. We have a, a message from uh, our uh, Richard, our um, or Rick, our uh, show reporter from California, who is just as faithful as Peter Shelley, I think, in, in uh, certainly calling in and sending questions, and, and of course as, a, as an official reporter. Um, greasy dialogue today. Is that good? <laughs> not not really sure. Uh, maybe. I thought it was just an age thing. I wouldn't know. No, I'd, I'd you know, maybe... maybe Maybe it is a good thing. Oh, no, then he adds great dialogue on the show today. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, I guess it is good. Well, we picked, uh, we're expanding our vocabulary. Maybe it sticks uh, with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you slip on it. One or yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's pretty slick, so, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, I think we, uh, all right. Yeah, we should probably hop into yeah, our announcements. Yeah, we should. And let's start with Shane. Uh, now, you, you, you're, uh, can you talk about this book you're working on? Yeah, so I'm finally working on a book, <laughs> which I have started many, many times, but um, I fired up my laptop because I, I finally decided on the direction I'm going to go with it, which I'm really excited about. Open up my, my laptop and open the folder and realize I already have several chapters written. One, I don't remember even writing, but as I was reading, I was like, what is this? I'm like, angelic guidance there. Yeah, well, I was reading and I was yeah. like, what is this? is this? This is pretty good. Like, what is this? And as I was reading and reading and... I, did I write this? And it turns out I actually did write it. I just didn't well, remember that, writing it. You should see a doctor. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, no, but I've already got a good jump on it. And um, now that I, I, I decided on the direction, I'm, I'm very excited. And it's going to 
it's going to really pinpoint the negatives in, in our lives and the things that align us with these negative entities. But then it's going to spin and it's going to be enlightening and it's going to really help pull people out of that, that space because I get emails from people all around the world, um, asking for that and, and I help people in that, in that way. So it's very, very simple, but, um, that's what I'm looking to do. Well, I can't wait. And then the three of us are working on a book on UFOs. Uh, based on the interviews in the show, being be sort of in the style of, our, of uh, the 2017 book Ben and I wrote on the uh, cryptids and uh, Mothman, etc. Mm. So anyway, so th- there you go. So we'll keep you posted on how that's going. Uh, now, uh, our on I guess it's Saturday, February 15th, uh, only a few weeks away, from 1 to 4 p.m., Ben and I make our appearance at the 5th Annual Book Lovers and Authors Expo at the Cumberland uh, public Library. That's um, 1464 Diamond Hill Road in Cumberland, Rhode Island. Uh, we won't give a lecture at that point, but we and a number of other authors, local authors, will be there with our books, and it's a lot of fun. So come and come and see us if you can. On April 3rd and 4th, we'll be at the New England Parafest, and I say we, that means all three of us, mm. uh, at the uh, Community Center in Kittery, Maine, lovely venue, in April, again, uh, 3rd and 4th, uh, where we, Ben and I, are the final speakers on Friday evening, the 3rd, I should say, the yeah, the 3rd, uh, and on Sunday, the 5th, as part of the Parafest, uh, we'll do our live broadcast of this show from the Kittery Lions Club. Uh, in Maine, so that should be fun. Along with ourselves, speaker will include, of course, Shane. Shane, what's your subject? It's going to be about strange and scary disappearances. Oh, that sounds great. That was a really good t- talk that you did. Too. Don't disappear well, before you, you do give the lecture. I'm, I'm going to add a little bit more to it, but I got 15 minutes less time, so I got to add oh. more, but do it quicker. Well, I, I believe I, in you. <laughs> yeah. uh, our subjects are going to be, uh, I guess, you know, reflections. I'm, I'm making the most of my work anniversary here. Uh, 50 years of parasites and all fun stuff we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Bigfoot hunter Dave McCulloch, ancient sites expert Dennis Stone. Many more will be there. It will be great. Don't don't miss it. And we'll uh, be back at the – oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Okay, and we'll also be back at the Exeter UFO Festival on Labor Day weekend, September 5th and 6th, as speakers, and to do our fifth annual uh, live broadcast from the historic Exeter Town Hall on Sunday, the 6th at noon. And the event is sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club to raise funds for local children's charities. Oh, the Parafest, by the way, that we just talked about, is uh, all the proceeds will go to uh, support the Hildale, Hildale Cemetery and Haverhill Mass uh, Historic Cemetery, so that'll, that's for a good cause as well. So, okay, we've, okay, we're almost, we better go to our, uh, what's going on next week then? So, next week, uh, we have, uh, that it's on January 26th, because there are five weeks in January this year, uh, we can look forward to a really interesting show on the connections between dream and disease with Kathleen O'Keefe, uh, Kavos, Kavos? Uh, Kavos, yeah. Okay. Well, we leave you this afternoon with an uplifting quote, uh, from, 13th century Persian poet and theologian Rumi, raise your words, not your voice. It is rain that gathers, that grows flowers, not thunder. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Serway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.